Bible. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. Amen? Amen. Man, I tell you, I just want to say real quick about last Sunday. Um, last Sunday, we had record-breaking attendance here at Momentum Church. And um, so, yeah, praise the Lord. <coughs> you may say, how many people was here? 726 people were here on the campus last Sunday. Amen? As a church, I don't know if we've ever even broke a 500 people on a church Sunday. And so that was really, really special. I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests that are here today that have come back from last week. I appreciate you guys coming back. And also, I want to take a moment to thank all of our volunteers. Over 100 and some volunteers last week made that possible. So can you thank them for all the hard work? Amen. As you can tell today, my voice is a little bit better. Amen. Last week, how many of the pollen's killing your throat this year? It is like flying gerbils in the air. This is not pollen. This is small gerbils, and they enter into your face, and they attack everything that's good and holy within you. And so, but I'm feeling pretty good today, amen. And so I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to James, James, the first chapter of James. As we get into today, this is the second week in our comeback series. And today we're going to be looking at the subject of how do you make a comeback when you've lost your dreams, when you've lost your dream. In this room, there's been people who had something you were believing God for. Be honest, raise your hand. Maybe something that for a long time you had a vision for. Maybe something that you just knew God was going to do. And it was a dream of your heart. It doesn't have to just be something churchy. It could have been something, you know, whatever it may have been. But there was a dream of your heart. And it came um, unfulfilled. <coughs> and now you feel like you might need <coughs> a bit of a comeback, you know. As a child, each of us. And I love that we were singing about God's children today. And that we are His children and as a child, each of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we were prone to dream, weren't we? We were. We were prone to dream. You know, my dad, when he got saved and spirit-filled and quickly left being the aggressive, abusive man that he was, he began to say things like this, Ross Allen, you can do anything. And as a child, you know what Ross Allen believed? He could do anything. Why? Because as a child, we're very prone to dream, to believe big things that are spoken over our lives, to expect the best. And every one of us in this room today have been able to walk into some of those dreams that we had. Others of us in the room today, at times there's some dreams that were left unfulfilled, right? For some of you, dreams not only were left unfulfilled, the, they have left the scattered remains of pain and hurt by their unfulfillment, you know. And, and I love it that dreams come true. And dreams do come true, you know. There was the dream of a young girl one time by the name of Amy. And she dreamed of a young man, tall, dark, and handsome. And those dreams come true. She just has to go to sleep to see them. Because <laughs> her reality, it's not, it's not tall, dark, and handsome. Not one bit. But still... Those dreams that don't come true, those dreams that hurt us, those dreams that maybe midway between you thought they were going to be fulfilled and they're broken and crushed, those things, they create within us sometimes bitterness. They create within us envy. They create within us at times even anger and frustration. And so with that, there are trials, sense of failure, a sense of lost hope, disappointments. All of these things can be experienced because of unrealized dreams. So, what are you supposed to do when dreams seem to delay? 
What are you supposed to do when dreams seem to be gone altogether and are lost? What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to respond to these lost dreams that have died? Something maybe you poured your whole life into. Something you poured your whole heart into. Something that you invested in. Maybe it was a financial dream. Something when it came to a business and you invested everything you had. And this is the big one. This is going to happen. And it all fell apart. How, how do you recover? Shout recover. How do you recover? How do you do that? I'm here to tell you something. Listen, I'm here to tell you that no matter what your circumstance is, you can make a comeback when you feel like you've lost your dream. God can turn things around. Now, think about it. We're doing this boxing kind of imagery here. And, and when you think about it, don't we love to rush to the end of a fight? You know, the end of the dream of the fighter. And the fighter has won. And those two boxers stand side by side. And the referee grabs one of their hands and raises their hand in sweet victory. Don't we love to rush to that? Yes, victory. And especially when we're the ones doing the fighting. We want to get to the end and be victorious. The moment that the boxer's hand is raised in sweet victory is awesome. But we don't realize all that the boxer went through in his private life to get to that place of public victory. We don't know all the stuff he faced before you saw that hand raised in victory. We don't realize the stuff that man faced alone before they were all able to celebrate together his victory. Don't you love that about boxing or just sports in general? The man in the ring is going through it. The man in the ring has been pummeled. The man in the ring is working to achieve his dream, his goal, his destiny, his vision. He's up early in the morning running. He's hitting the heavy bag. He's eating right. He's doing everything he has to do. He's getting punched in the face. And when it's all said and done, when it's all over, we win. Everybody, it's like the whole team together, the manager, we've won. The family, we've won. We've all, nobody saw in private all the stuff he was facing alone so that everybody could celebrate together in victory. Here's the thing about it. You may be that battered man. You may be that battered woman when it comes to dreams pummeling you. You may be the one that is bruised on the outside, but nobody sees the quiet pain on the inside that you've had to endure to get to the point of realizing your dream. So we don't know. And all of us have come into this room, and I want to see what the Scripture has to say about some of the rough stuff we go through in life. Can we stand to our feet? We're going to read James. First chapter of James. <coughs> Just a few verses. It says this, James 1, verse 2 through 6. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Have you ever read this word and you didn't like it? There's things I read in here that I don't like. This is one of those things. Are you kidding me? Count it. Everybody say all joy. Really? Count it all joy? Okay, here we go. Verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without approach. God, I need wisdom. All right, go through this. God, I'm not so sure about needing so much wisdom. And it will be given him, but he, it says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Let's pray. Father God, through my life, when I've missed out on my dreams, God, I have been tossed like a wave. 
I've been blown like, like one being blown by the wind. God, I, I have not counted it all joy. I, I have grown bitter and envious and angry. And I don't like this scripture very much, Jesus. But God, I thank you that through, through a long season, you've taught me to count it all joy. And God, I, help, I ask that you would help today lead me as we teach from your word that we could leave here with hope for the dream that you have established, the dreams that you have placed, those things that you say over our lives, God, that you are bringing to pass. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. When I read this passage of scripture in preparation for today, I came across something I'd never seen before. I mean, obviously I rushed to count it all joy. We all rushed to that part of the scripture. But there was something I'd never seen before that I think really bears merit to this. And it's this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Who's he writing to? The 12 tribes in the dispersion. Listen, he is writing to Jewish Christ followers who are in the dispersion. In other words, he's saying to a bunch of people who have for centuries been treated less than the best, that for centuries have been treated poorly, yet are still the apple of God's eye. He's looking at this group of people and saying, I know Babylon didn't do you right. I know Rome isn't doing you right right now. Someday down the road, there's a group of people that's not going to do you right in like the 20th century. Okay, and so he's saying to this group of people, the dispersion, count it all joy. This is a group of people, the Jewish people have been a group of people throughout the centuries that have always been looked down upon, always been subjugated. In the 20th century, they were actually called undermenschen, under people. You're not even a person. You're nothing. But now these group of people have found Jesus, and they're going through hard times. But that's who the dispersion is. It's all these, these, these Christ-following Jews that are all spread out. They, all they have known is hardship and struggle and frustration and the lack of the realization of all their dreams. And he's looking at that group, and he's saying, count it all joy. Wow. That's heavy. So when I started looking at that, I thought, oh, Lord, I never, ever saw that before. You're not just talking about early Christians. You're talking about early Jewish Christians who have faced so much and continued to face so much. And I know in my life, I've looked at my life and I've said, God, why? I haven't walked in the dreams that I thought would manifest so quickly. God, why? And I can tell you right now, I never faced the stuff that some of these folks have faced. And I look at you in the room today, and you'll say the same. I've faced some stuff, but I'll never face some of the stuff these folks have faced. And you know what the honest truth is? You can look to your neighbor to the left of you and to the right of you, and you can say, you know what, I've been through some stuff, but you know what, you probably never faced the stuff that some of the folks in this room have faced. Yet, it's still just as important. It's still just as important that God gets through to you today, you know? Because for you, whatever that dream is that's lost, it doesn't matter if it's a big thing or a small thing. It doesn't matter if it's small persecution or large persecution. If that thing gets you to a place of being bitter, envious, and angry, it'll rob you of everything. That is the enemy's joy. That is what the devil wants to do over anything. That when we go through stuff to get us bitter, angry, and envious of other people and cause us to miss all that God has for us. Listen, everything I dreamed of when I moved to Georgia did not and still has not yet come to pass. Now, mind you, I had a plan. Everybody say, I have a plan. I had a plan. When I was in Ohio about four or five years before I moved here, I had a physical dream. I had a dream. I had a dream that one day, no, I did. 
that we would have a church that would be culturally relevant and a diverse community of faith, and that we'd have this church that would reach people that are unchurched. And I had this dream, literally a physical dream in the night, that I woke up and began to write things down. When Amy woke up the next day, I said, baby, I got an idea. I feel like we're supposed to go to Atlanta, Georgia, and plant a church to reach the unchurched, and then we're going to plant churches that reach the unchurched all around Atlanta. And she's just like, are you kidding me, you know? She was real positive, but this was years before we came. And so for those years, I'm holding on to the stream. And in light of our success, I know when I step out to make that dream a reality, guess what? It will become a reality overnight. I just knew it. Why? Because from 19 years old till I was 33, there wasn't one thing Amy and I put our hands to that we did not see success in. Everything we would do, God would increase. He would blow up. And when I say blow up, I mean good blow up, right? It would be fat, like P-H-A-T, fat, right? I'm telling you, it was good stuff, everything we put our hands to. And so in my mind, I had got to this point where that's what God does. He speaks to you vision. He speaks to you a dream. You step out in faith by golly, and God brings the increase. Shout amen. And he does, and he does. But here's the thing. Because of all that success through those years, from 19 to 33, I had never developed the spiritual bandwidth to be able to carry whatever God desired to do over the next 30 years. And God in his graciousness was trying to get me to a point where I would count it all joy so that that steadfastness would produce something in my life, okay, that would produce that steadfastness. But I wasn't there yet. I was a punk. Say punk. I was. I was a punk. I was a punk, an entitled, selfish punk, okay? Now, I can say that about me. You can't because it'll make me cry. But I did. I had a dream and I had a plan. And so I'm going to move to Georgia and we're going to plant this church. And in three years, it'll be 500 people. And in another 10 years, it'll be 1,000. You know, we're going to plant churches. I saw in my physical dream, I saw that we planted churches all around Atlanta. And so that is the dream that's going to happen. But it did not happen that way. And here's, here's something I thought was crazy. It got so bad at one point, and some of you know our story, some of you are new. At one point it got so bad that Amy and I, 80% of what we were eating for like a six-month time frame came from the dumpsters in Woodstock and Roswell and Marietta. And now listen, I'm not saying the trash, okay. I'm saying all these in Kroger's. We were high-class dumpster divers. Come on. And the stuff that's right there on top, good stuff. And I know 100 people would have given us money to buy groceries. I know that. Maybe 200 people. But that's not what a punk needed. A punk needed to know that God, in the worst, darkest moments, was going to find and meet his needs in that moment. Because I was bitter and mad at God. I was frustrated with the Lord. Why have you let me down? And for years, the things I went through made me mad and bitter at God. Speaking of the boxing idea. You guys have heard of Mike Tyson, right? I've said this once before here. I love this. There was a man that was going to fight Mike Tyson, and he had a plan, and he was saying exactly what he was going to do and how he was going to defeat him, and a man goes to interview Mike Tyson, and they say, hey, this guy's got a plan. He knows what he's going to do. He's going to do this. He's going to do that, and so on, and Mike Tyson said this. He said, everybody's got a plan until somebody punches you in the face. And in my 20s, I thought I had a plan. In my early 30s, I thought I had a plan. 
And then I had a vision. And I had a dream. And I'm going to move forth. And I'm going to perform and make that dream happen. And, and then I got punched in the face. And I didn't have the spiritual bandwidth not to get bitter. And I got bitter and mad at God. Now, there was a season I was so mad at God, I didn't even talk to God. I went through a three-month stretch where I would go, God, I'm not talking to you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being that articulate. God, I'm not, I don't trust you. I'm not talking to you. But I would prepare sermons and I'd preach to y'all. How do you think those sermons went? Not good. Okay? Adverse effect on the health of the church, you know. Pastor's not talking to Jesus. And so it was rough, but that's where I was at emotionally years ago, you know. So much pain. And when I think about this story in the Bible, there's one we're going to look at that outweighs my comeback story by a, a long shot. But this is a man in the scripture who got punched in the face. This is a man in the scripture, I can't think of anyone even better than this man to tell this story. And it's the person by the name of Joseph. And Joseph was the son of Jacob, whose name was Israel. And so I love this, just even the start of that nation, there was hardship and frustration, yet they were still the apple of God's eye. Even though I was a punk and even though I was bitter and upset, I was still the apple of God's eye. God still had a vision, still had a plan, still had a purpose. I just couldn't see it. But he was good enough to keep visiting me. He was good enough to keep ministering to me. I'll get back to that in a little bit. And so here's the story of Joseph. Joseph is not liked by his brothers because his father loves him. And the Bible even says he loved him more than the other sons. And those sons get jealous and upset with him, and they figure out a way to get rid of him. Let's look in Genesis 37, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. And now Joseph had a dream. Say he's a dreamer. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we are binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Say, haters got to hate. Then he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars. There were eleven brothers were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow down ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. The father, I believe, always thought this is a favored child. Father, I think, always thought there's something special on Joseph. There's something neat about this young boy. And so even when he heard the frustration in his own heart, he pushed it down because he had a heart for Joseph, a heart that would make him special, a heart that would set him apart. And I believe that young Joseph believed what his daddy said over him, you know, that you're special. Joseph, you can do it. You can be anything God's calling you to be. I believe that. And he believed the dreams that were being spoke over his own life. And he believed he was favored. He believed he had the favor of the Father. And when I think about this, as you're going through things, listen, listen, listen. What the Father has spoken over you means everything. God had spoken over me in a dream that I would plant a church. 
and that that church would plant other churches. God had spoken to me in a dream, you into my life so many years ago. And even though it was dark and I wasn't seeing the fruit of that and finances were bad and church wasn't growing and we're struggling under the burden of seeing this dream come to fruition and even in the midst of it, my dream changing. God, through all of that, the deliverance of an entitled punk, and through all of that, changing my dreams where, God, I don't care if I ever preach over thousands. God, I want to minister faithfully to those hundreds that God calls me to minister to. And I want to raise up young pastors that will be able to minister faithfully to the hundreds that God's calling them to. And, oh yeah, if you want to be a part of a church that reaches thousands under one roof, you're at the wrong place. All right? But if you want to be a part of a church over the next 20 to 30 years that reaches thousands of people, you're at the right place. We just won't do it under one roof. God's changed my heart, changed my vision. I love this intimate kind of feel. And that God can give us a, a network of ministry. I wouldn't have seen that 12 years ago, 11 years ago. I wanted to be able to be pastoring and preaching in front of a thousand people in one shot. I would never have told you that. Why? Because I was a punk. Smile. But deep down in the inside, God was working and doing some things that needed to be shifted and changed. God was speaking to me his favor over my life, but I was having a hard time hearing that, you know. And the Father has spoken things over your life. He has. And when you hear those things spoken over your life, embrace those, even if the dream isn't coming to fruition. You are the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Amen? You may feel like you're last, but the Bible says that he will make the last first and the first last. Don't give up. Like the great prophet Stephen Tyler once said in the book of Aerosmith, dream on. <laughs> dream on, dream on. That's funny right there. <laughs> but listen, it's easy to forget your dreams when you're going through some stuff. Now I got to a point where I just had forgot my dreams. I couldn't believe how dark those days were. It got to a point where even dumpster diving wasn't enough to meet the bills. And so finally I'm working, I'm cleaning carpets. But listen, before that, for years before that, I grew bitter and angry at God. The first night out in the darkness of night, finding food for my family, the joy of Jesus got on my heart. First time in years, in years. I come home with a whole mess of stuff, and Amy's like, who did you rob? And I didn't rob anybody, and it's just given to us. Every time I would go out, the joy of the Lord would be my strength. Every time I'd go out, I'd just fall in love with Jesus more. And then the finances got worse and worse and worse. And the church, we went from 250 people down to 200 people. It just continued to, what in the world, God? I, there was a time I even prayed. I said, God, help me. It's not like I'm selling crack down here. That was my prayer. It's a sincere prayer. Laugh at me for how I pray. I'm serious. And then I start cleaning carpets. And I would be out at night, 95 hours a week, cleaning carpets, killing myself. I'd be out at night by myself sometimes, and the place would be empty, maybe a rental house. And I'd start to clean carpets and sing before the Lord. And I'd just pray in tongues. And I would just get the joy of Jesus all over me. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. Why? Because I needed that. I needed to go through that. I needed to know what, the God, what God was speaking over my life and how he was shaping me. But it's easy to forget all that when you're going through hard times. This week, I received a phone call on Monday from a national magazine called the Pentecostal Evangel. 
And um, there's about 62 million people that are part of the Assemblies of God, of which we are a part of. And with that, they have a, a weekly magazine called the Pentecostal Evangel. And they called me, and they did an interview on Monday. And they just talked to me for an hour as I told my story. They sent me the interview back on Thursday in written form. And the title of the, of the interview is this, and it's going to be in the article pretty soon. It's The Breaking and Making of a Pastor. I had told them, my pastor said, you can't build a church until you build a pastor. And God had to deal with me and help me grow and widen that spiritual bandwidth because I did not have that. All that success, all that victory, all those good things were wonderful, but they weren't creating a depth, a spiritual bandwidth that would carry us in our ministry for the next 20 to 30 years. And God graciously allowed me to go through those dark nights. Oh, I was full of bitterness and anger and envy. And if you knew me five years ago, you would say, he is full of bitterness, anger, and envy. But God graciously allowed me to go through those nights. And here's why. Number one, watch. When you've lost your dream, accept the past. The stuff you're going through, accept it. The way you thought it was going to be and it wasn't, that's where you start. Accept the past. What ends up happening is Joseph's brothers decide they're going to kill him. And you see Joseph's brothers decide they're going to throw him into a pit. They're going to kill him. And, and all of a sudden, an elder brother named Reuben, and I love this. Catch this. Jesus is all over the Old Testament. Say elder brother. An elder brother named Reuben, he said, no, 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 don't kill him. Just put him in the pit, all right? And then he ended up leaving. And so then they ended up taking him from the pit, and they sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites. And then Reuben comes back, and he looks in the pit, and his younger brother's gone. And he's broken. It's a picture of Jesus. That Jesus understood and knew something was going to happen to that younger Joseph, or to you, and allowed you to go through it. But his concern and his care was always there. He's always coming to look into the pit. He's always coming to pull you out. His intention is always to rescue you. But life, in a sense, has a way of taking us further than they want it to go. But he never stopped desiring the younger brother. And all I'm saying is you may feel like you're in a pit, but the eldest brother is looking for you today. Jesus is not going to leave you down. Amen? And so here it says in Genesis 37, verse 18, they saw him from afar. This is the brother seeing Jesus. I'm sorry, Joseph. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Here he comes. And they put him in the pit. And the thing about that, you may feel like you're in a pit. And you can get bitter or you can get better. Period. And in the midst of my pit, I was growing bitter. And then one day the Lord visited me, amen, in the night when it seemed like it was getting the worst it could ever get. And in that moment of his visitation, it started to get better. Did the situation change? No. My heart changed. My capacity to walk in what God was about to lead us into began to be developed as God dealt with the punk inside that needed to be worked out. Why? Because it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you see trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces. Say testing produces. It produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. I believe God has a desire for Momentum Church to lack nothing in the years to come. But the pastor of Momentum Church had to go through a season until I could count it all joy and realize that God was doing something in me to produce something in me. Amen? 
that could hold on to what God is doing next. And I believe it could be the same way with you. The problem is, a lot of times when you're going through it, you get bitter, not better. And that's where I was. But thank God, God continued to work in my heart. The next thing, when you're going through stuff, when you're going through and you've lost your dream, embrace the present. Embrace the present. I knew what I was going through is not where I was supposed to be. I didn't feel like it was fair that I was facing what I was facing. But I started to sense in the midst of it that God was in the fight with me. Not only was he in the fight with me, God was fighting for me. Amen? And so you begin to embrace the present. You begin to embrace what God's doing right now. When you lose your dreams, embrace the present. For me, what that looked like, I started cleaning carpets. It got worse, so I started cleaning carpets. And embracing the present, God, I just got to do what I got to do. I got to clean carpets. And what was so wild was in the midst of all that, (coughs) finances are still bad. Church still is small, you know, still struggling and such. I get a phone call from back home. Why don't you pray about coming and working with us again? This is our church in Ohio. My pastor wanted me to come back, work with him for a season until we retire, and then take over the church kind of a thing. And I want you to pray about that. And I said, give me 30 days to fast and pray. And the day I'm supposed to give him the answer, I'm cleaning carpets. I'll never forget which carpet it was. It was the Nobles family, Mary that sings so wonderful up here. I was at their house cleaning the carpet. And as I was cleaning the carpet, my phone rang. And I pick it up, and it's 5.30. I was supposed to call pastor by 5. And when I saw it, I realized my answer. And so pastor wanted to know, so have you decided? And I said, yeah, I've decided. I'm supposed to stay here. I'm supposed to stay put. All I could think about that day while I was cleaning was what God was doing at our church what God wanted to do in our city, what God wanted to do in this state. I could not get my mind off of it to the point I had forgot I was even supposed to make a phone call that day. But my finances weren't changed. Church wasn't changed. Nothing was changed. The only thing that had changed through that season was my heart. And I'd stopped being bitter and it opened my heart to the present, what God's doing right now. Joseph knew that he had to offer God his very best even when he was knocked down. And Joseph, he was far from what he felt was the favor of the Father, but he embraced the present with faithfulness in the moment. If you look at the story of Joseph, we'll walk through this fairly quick. In Genesis 39, Joseph is purchased by um, um, the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites sell him to a man named Potiphar, who was one of the the chief overseers of Pharaoh's army. And he begins to be a house slave for Potiphar. Increase starts to come. His success starts to come. Who Joseph was, his character starts to be seen. And in verse 5, 39, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. In the midst of all that, Joseph did not play the what-if game. What if this was different? What if that would have been different? No, he just embraced where he was in that moment. He embraced the present and began to be faithful in that moment and allow God to take care of the dream the way God was desiring to take care of it in God's time. So there's no need to play the what-if game. The problem is the past is forgiven and gone. It's it's done. Don't focus on the past. Focus on the present. The future is in God's capable, all-powerful hands. So what that means is that the past is taken care of and the future is taken care of. Where you can lose it is in the present. It's where you get bitter or better. It's your choice, though. 
while you're in the present. And the thing about that, you are free. God gives you that freedom to focus on the You can't do one thing about the past. You can't do one thing about the future per se. But you sure can focus now in the present. And Joseph was that kind of man. Joseph, he ends up in the Potiphar's house, succeeds. Joseph's a good-looking young man. Potiphar's wife would love to find out a little bit more about that young man. Begins to entice him. Joseph's a man of honor. He stayed strong. He didn't fall into sin, even though he's not walking in his dream. There's people that will do that. I'm not getting my dream. I don't get what I want. And so they begin to backslide, fight against God, and so on. No, no, no. Joseph, man, he stays faithful. She conspires against him, says that she's been raped. He gets put in prison. He goes to prison and watch what happens in prison. Verse 20 of chapter 39. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did the Lord made it succeed in the midst of all that God starts to use Joseph because Joseph didn't get bitter he stayed better in the midst of all that he begins to prophesy or interpret the dreams of the prisoners this starts to be told to people if there's a man that hears the voice of God behalf of on behalf of dreams and Pharaoh has a dream that needs to be interpreted and they call on Joseph to come interpret that dream, which gives him a whole other level of access to leadership in the nation of Egypt. The thing with this, the Lord laid in my heart, was this, that in the midst of all that, he could have not stayed true to who he was in the present, and he would have lost God's call on his life. He'd have lost it all. Staying true to the giftedness God has uniquely blessed you with is so important when you're not seeing the true fulfillment of the dream yet. You stay true to what God's called you to do right now. If not, anger, bitterness, and envy will begin to knock you off course. It's about this. It's about who you are is more important than what you're walking in right now. Who you are and whose you are is more important than if you're in the fulfillment of the dream right now. But if we start to get bitter, envious, and angry, we will miss it all. And so Pharaoh, in verse 39 of 41, he said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Literally, by the end of that passage of Scripture, they set him up in such a way on a chariot, second number two person in the nation. And as he goes through Egypt, people bow their knees to him. It's starting to be the fulfillment of the prophecy, the dream that Joseph had seen. Let me say it this way. I don't think it's an accident. This week, I got the phone call from that national magazine to do the interview. I don't think it's an accident. This week, on Sunday, it was the highest attendance we'd ever had as a church. Like I said, 726 people. Now listen, if my mind gets all caught up in that, I'll miss it all. I'll just be honest. I'm not really all that worked up. I don't believe the hype. If we don't see lives saved, I believe we had 14 saved last year. That, last week, that's an even bigger, bigger thing to celebrate, amen? If we don't see lives baptized, let's not believe the hype. But it was an exciting thing, wasn't it? It really was, you know. And so I don't think it's an accident that this phone call came as a reminder, you went through it. But look, I am allowing the dream to manifest in my way and in my time. And I was bitter. And God helped me through that bitterness. 
I don't think it's an accident that phone call came on the week that we're going to three services. Although our attendance is down of all times to schedule a third service, it's spring break. <laughs> but I think it still looks pretty good in here, you know. But a third service, wow, what an opportunity as we make room for what God's doing in people's lives here at Momentum Church. I don't think it's an accident that that phone call took place this week. Because on Thursday, I had six church planters in the basement of this church. I had two national or three national leaders that were flown in. And we together was training these six church planters. And on September 18th, those six churches will launch inside Atlanta. Amen? I don't think it's an accident. That evening on Thursday night, we had all of their teams as of present together down in Atlanta for a big time of training and ministering to them as they prepare to do what's called a day of hope on September 17th where thousands will come and be able to be ministered to and invited to come back to church the next day. I don't think it's an accident that I dreamed a dream so many years ago that I didn't see fulfilled in fruition for so many years. God, how in the world will we ever plant other churches? And now God has given us an opportunity. Will they have momentum on their name? No. No. It's under the auspice of working with the Assemblies of God, yes. But you, every bit as much, are the reason why we have the opportunity to sow into those people and see those churches plant. Isn't that cool? I don't think it was an accident that it was this week that that phone call came as a reminder that you feel like you may lose your dream, but God has a plan. Amen? I heard it said this way, Satan, my setbacks may have amused you, but my comebacks are going to confuse you. He, he, I mean, those setbacks, they, 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 they confused me. I mean, I didn't know how God was going to get the victory, you know. In the poignant words of another great theologian, can I say it this way? Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my peers, putting suckers in fear, making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go. I'm sorry, that's Ella Cool J. But he had his comeback. When it comes down to it, I, I, I have to go there. Mama going to knock you out. Okay, I'm done, I'm done. I'm done. That's so funny. <laughs> so when you've lost your dream, look expectantly to the future. Okay? So in the midst of everything, look now to the future. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. The whole region was in a famine, and through Joseph's wisdom, they had kept enough grain for Egypt to be financially strong. And Jacob's sons came looking for provision, and they found their brother. And in the midst of that, now they're bowing their knees to their brother. And you would think in that moment, Joseph would say, forget it, you're not getting anything from me. But there's a few things that we see as we close. Let's stand to our feet. Verse 19, look at it on the screen. Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? No, Joseph wasn't God, but he sure was in the right place, ordained by God. Joseph knew that God was going the distance with him all along. Verse 20. 
As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many should be kept alive as they are today. What the enemy meant for evil, God had meant for good. It's one there where the bitterness and the anger and the envy are defeated. That's where the whole thing is one. And if we can get past that, the dream may even shift a little. But if you can get past that, God will have his way. And God will be honored. The final thing we see here in verse 21. So do not fear. I'll provide for you and your little ones, Joseph says to his brothers. And thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. The final thing, Joseph understood that comeback isn't about payback. It's all about forgiveness. Close your eyes for a moment. Right now, you may have lost your dream. And there may be some things that you need to deal with. When it comes to bitterness, envy, and anger, that's all about forgiveness issues. So are you mad at God? Do you need to ask God to forgive you for your anger toward Him? Maybe that's you this morning. And your anger, like me, was mostly stemmed toward God. God, why have you let me down? Maybe you're here this morning and you felt somebody stood in the way of you getting your dream fulfilled. And so your anger is not at God, but it's at another person. How in the world did they get to do this and I didn't? Why do they walk in that and I don't? Why do they receive and I don't? And so you need to ask forgiveness of a person, maybe. And there's others in this room. You can't get over the mistake that you made that cost you your dream. But you know you're not walking in the best that God has. And you keep blaming yourself. Why did I do that? I've done this. I'm a mess. I'll never be. I, I, I. God forgives to the uttermost, and he can forgive you. And so if that's you in one of those three categories, God, others, or yourself, if you would, hold up your hand if you need prayer for one of those. Just hold up your hand and say, yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me. Man, in the first service, yeah, all over the room. Jesus, right now, I just ask you that you would restore people's hope and faith that what you begin, you will finish. And in the midst of it, God, that you will work with us and develop us and make us who you desire us to be in the midst of all that pain. Father God, those things of forgiveness today, I ask that you would visit their hearts and as they go from this place, that they would forgive freely and realize that comeback is not about payback. It's about giving it to you and trusting you with our future. Jesus, we trust you with our future. In your name we pray. Everyone say amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.com. Dot TV.